I'm Brenda. And I'm Christy. We're two friends from high school who are connecting and reconnecting over music and memories. Welcome to Normal Bias Podcast. We're glad you're here. So I just have to say this. I just, we, I love where we grew up. I love North Shore. I've said this on a few podcasts. All of them. And on all of them, probably. And like, you know, when I talk to people at work, because it, it's really funny. What I do just, you do? So I'm, I work at the front office at the elementary school here in, um, in the neighborhood. Okay. So well, that's, that. Well, that's the southern tip of Humble, though, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. But so when I talk about North Shore, because we, we all still know each other or somehow, some way still kept in touch with each other. And people will look at me like, really? <laughs> you still talk to these people? And like the word that is like in my head right now, listening to you guys talk is relationship. Like we have built relationships that just can, are not it's awesome. And they just keep building and we keep up with each other. And, and I love that. And I love, she has a seventh grader right now. Her son just started seventh grade. And I just, I think that's so cool that she, I mean, you obviously made an impression. I've heard your name several times from Christy. Um, and I love that. I, I'm actually still, I'm friends with one of my teachers on Facebook, my sixth grade teacher from Cunningham, my sixth grade math teacher, Miss Funk, Mrs. Funk. Oh. Susan. Susan Funk, yes. We started teaching together. That was our first year. You did? So, yeah. So, she and I are still friends on there. Um, Christy, she was part of Oh, wait. Your audio just went out. What's that? Can't hear you, David. Where'd your audio go? I don't know. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I can hear you. Oh, he can hear us. Okay. What now? Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, you might put your hand over the mic. That's okay. So, you know, what are you going to say? She's uh, Susan Funk. Susan Funk is Margaret Goolsby, the assistant superintendent of human resources. That's her cousin. They're cousins. I didn't... Both of their husbands are dentists. So. so, Mrs. Goolsby was my brother's first teacher when we moved to... Uh, when we moved to Houston at Green, he, she was his teacher at Green Valley. Yeah. Now, where were we all from? We, well, we moved a lot up until we moved to, so what's funny, David, is we, James and I moved here. Uh, I left the classroom in 2005 and we, our goal was to move somewhere and put down roots because I felt like I never had roots, but we actually moved to Houston when I started first grade. So I, I went to Glenna Park schools the whole time except for kindergarten but I always felt like it because we moved a lot like we moved I guess we moved when I was like three and then four and then five so we lived several places until we got to Houston and then was protection or something what was up with that <laughs> you know just couldn't find the right job something so but we but it's funny because I always <laughs> he, you know he's been gone long enough now that we could probably talk about it but no. But we just, we just moved a lot. And so that was, you know, like as a kid and as even as a young adult, that was my impression was like, you know, like Jennifer and Kevin, like they had grown up there, you know, they had always lived there. Um, and we didn't, but I lived in the same house on Grand Oaks from third grade until the time I graduated. Um, and so we moved here to give our kids roots. And it took me like 10 years to realize that I had roots in Galena Park in North Shore. Sounds. Yeah, I always, uh, I, I appreciate what Brenda said. I would always refer to it as community, not, I, I agree with relationships too, but I think uh, people will tell me when they hear I'm from Houston, they'll say, well, now you're out here and you know, small town America, you don't say anything because the person you're talking to may be related to who you're talking about. I thought, well, that's, that was going park. Mm -hmm. you, know, you could be like, we always joked, if you threw a cat, you're going to throw it and hit a McComb because Joe McComb had relatives <laughs> all over the place. Uh, and, and people knew each other, and uh, it was really thick in Galena Park. When I started working in the central office, I realized, you know, that community had been there since the early 40s, if not sooner. Uh, in fact, I, I, did they still have the picture of all the superintendents hanging in the uh, central office when you would go through there? Uh -huh. Well, you know, the first one was like 1920. 
Wow. Guy, and, and there was a guy that used to be the principal who was over the credit union when I first became a teacher named Mr. Becker, who knew all of them. And he'd walk through there and point at them and tell you about each one. And it just, it, it was a, a community that had grown up around the ship channel and around World War II. It really began to blossom because of the production that occurred there, Todd shipyards and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, so a lot of people had established roots and it was just a community and it had more of a small town feel than a city feel because we knew each other. Mm -hmm. And so probably what you saw, Christy, to be honest, is uh, I, I, I had grown up there and so I knew, I knew the people who were there. I had known them since I was a kid and so I, I knew the neighborhood. I knew, I still remember one story that I still shared. I shared it recently. Uh, had a student whose parents had filled out a no spank form at Cimarron. <laughs> and so we honored those things, but this kid had just been horrible. He was just not a well-behaved kid. And he got sent to the office maybe three times that week. So on the third time I pulled a paddle out of the drawer and he turned around and looked at me and said, my mom says you're supposed to call before, uh, before I get spanked. And I said, yeah, I'll call her as soon as I'm done. You know? <laughs> We went to church together, and I thought, nah. And so I, I spanked him, and uh, I called her. And so then he came home, and uh, we know, knew each other through church. And so she called me when he got home, and he was in the background. I could hear him just bending her ear. And she says, well, now, Matthew said you did this, and Matthew said you did this, and Matthew said you did that. And after about the third time she said it, I said, well, maybe the problem here is that you're listening to Matthew tell you everything, and you're not asking me anything, you know. And So you just have that comfort level because it's – yeah you're comfortable with the people you know so. you have a history yeah so when i was at simron you knew you were in big trouble so my fourth grade class was next door to me. i didn't have mr southern we were neighbors and I, I, he lived off of grand oaks but he you knew you were in big trouble there was what was it like a janitor's closet or something next to his room and that's where they that's where when i was in school where you went to get pops yeah yeah, when I, I was in school, it was in the hallway. Sometimes it was in front of the class, and sometimes it was in the hallway. But if the teacher grabbed the paddle and told you to come up to the front of the class, you're like, "Oh crap!" So yeah, I can say. I, so when I when I start when I started teaching in '98 at Harvard, David Smolka was the assistant principal, and he was hilarious. He, you guys would get along great. He and I knew each other. We were we were actually family. We became family friends. He and his wife Kim. Uh huh. I haven't seen that in years. Yeah, I don't even know where they're at now. I think they might have gone back to New York. Hey, well, they, you know, they went from Galena Park to Frisco, but I don't know where they went after that. Because he yeah, was across like, on social media. So yeah, he was at Chris, something Christy Elementary for a while. But he and um, he, I remember because back, you know, by the time I started teaching, you could only the administrators could administer corporal punishment. So he was the keeper of the paddle. And I had, you know, with resource kids and a lot of the kids in the behavior program and stuff. And so we visited his office frequently or they would get in trouble and then they would call Mrs. Frone to go up to the office with them. And I had to be there for that. But I remember one time he, there was this kid that was just being a mess. And David was like, he, and you could tell that like he didn't really want to have to pop the kid again. Because, it, I mean, we'd been up there before and he took that paddle and he was trying to make his point and he flipped it onto the desk but he hit it just so that enough of the paddle hit the wooden desk that it like reverberated and our ears were ringing and like we were all deaf for a few minutes it was like someone had dropped like, some sort of a bomb in his office and all I remember is like David like he didn't say anything after that he was just like and then the kid and I left and I don't think we ever talked about it again but I, I still remember my ears ringing he was like you know he just was gonna hit the desk and then scare the kid but I think he deafened all of us for the rest of the day so. Yeah, funniest story I ever came across I was not a part of, but Mike Barkley and Peggy McCorder were working together, and there was a kid that had eaten Crayolas in kindergarten, and uh, he was he was African-American, and, and this has a point to say that because he, he spoke kind of with that dialect, and so Peggy did what became kind of the habit for the next three generations of administrators. She got the paddle out, and she wagged it, and she was talking to him. And she said, you ate your Crayolas and you know you shouldn't have eaten your Crayolas and this, that, and this. She said, what do you think you deserve? What do you think you need? She's wagging the paddle. He looks at her and in that African-American kind of accent, he goes, drink of water. <laughs> and they died laughing. They just died laughing. You know, it was just like, 
Yeah, it's like the point of anything I was trying to make is just out the window now, but I still just remember how they would say it. He said, just kind of let it roll off his tongue. Drink water, you know, and I thought that's funny. But, uh, <laughs> Duh. Yeah. So, but, um, David, my first year, remember at Harvard, our first year, our Francie got sick and Peggy came in as our kind of our sub principal, but it worked out. So it worked out great. So my, Brenda, Peggy McWhorter was my principal at Cimarron, and then my first year of teaching, she came in uh, early October and, and stayed for several months, and she, I cried, y'all, my first year of teaching, I cried every day until Halloween. I hated it. I wanted it out. I wanted to go back to the university, like I applied for a job at the university that I had passed over the year before, um, and Peggy sat me down, and she said, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You walk around here like you know what you're doing. So nobody's helping you. You have to ask for help. And I was like, and it was, that is some of, I didn't like it at the time, but it was great. It was great advice. And so I always. Peggy and I were, we were very good friends. Um, I always respected her and uh, she wasn't always the easiest person to work with, but boy, you, uh, you learned a lot if you allowed her to teach you, so. Yeah. Hmm. That, that name sounds familiar. I don't, I can't picture her face. Like you, if you saw her with her dark hair and her, just her draw, she's very proper Southern woman, always fully made up, always perfect hair. And her nephew was the assistant principal at Cimarron when I taught there. And then we Darryl. worked together at region four. Yeah. Changed his name to Hayden, but his name was Daryl at that time. And, I still uh, call him Daryl if I ever see him or run across him. Yeah, he and I were good friends. I always liked Daryl. He's a good guy. Uh, he was a good guy. I enjoyed him very much. So that, but y'all, like this to me, Brenda, so I didn't know, Brenda texted me the other day and was like, I did a deep dive on David Bob. <laughs> and she's like texting me screenshots of old blogs and stuff that he used to write. So David likes, I feel comfortable saying this on, on air. You like beer. Mm -hmm. You like cigars. You like mm -hmm. your dog. Yeah, Hank. You like sports. Yes, these are all things I wrote down. I'm like, what's up? Oh, there he is. Yeah, he's crashed at my feet. He's a good, how long have you had him? Six years. We got him in 2014. Okay. So I, I progression, progression of loss. Uh, my mother died in uh, March of 2014, and then we had to put our dog down in like June of 2014. And then in July, I came home with the dog unannounced. Cindy was like, oh, and that's, you know, she, she she came home from uh, school and had all her stuff boxed up. And one of the things that she had taken down off her board was a picture of our former dog, the Schnauzer. Mm -hmm. And she showed it to me. And it was like two days later, we had Hank. So, Oh, Hank. Yeah. I know then that we've at least been Facebook friends since then, because I remember like in my head, he was still a puppy, but that's six years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was in thick in the middle of my post-education career at that point doing consulting work so now you're traveling and stuff yeah. yeah yeah brenda did you come across did you in your deep dive did you realize that um, david is from north shore um i'm going to be completely honest yes well well I, I have a question mark by it because it's in his bio for how much paper do you like did is it like it like one of those dot making <laughs> printers because you just went like this look at <laughs> I wrote down a bunch of things because I like to find, I was like, okay, I've never met David. I've only know what, you know, you were her teacher. So I like to be like, Hmm, I wonder what things we have in common or what connections. And so I, I just, I just went to town, but then I, why I have so many sheets is because I printed out a few of his, um, of his blogs. I, I did a beer one. It was a beer and cigar one. Is uh, it was titled? It's from 2015. Titled "Why Can't People Write?" Um, and then I did one. I'm not sure. I think this one was called "Leading Dialogue." Mm, yeah, and, no, that was uh, that. Never was, came to the point that I wanted. I yeah. This was for 2014. I want to read this la like the very last sentence of this um, post called "Dialogue and Leading" because I really liked this. Um, it said, true dialogue, which listens, engages, and seeks a rationale, seems simple enough, but it is also 
it is also possibly one of the more the more difficult concepts to accomplish. I really liked that. Hmm. Did you write? Oh, of course, of course, I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was me. I mean, but you know that was the Holy Spirit because you're like, did I write yeah. that? No, but but at the very end hmm. of the whole thing about dialogue and um and leading. Well, like, I actually have had a conversation recently uh, with someone um, dealing with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I, I said in that that I don't I don't think many people are capable of self actualization. I think we're all stuck toward the bottom. Uh, so that I'm, cons I'm consistent because that that kind of infers that we 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 don't really seek true dialogue. I think we just seek mm -hmm. to, to be heard. Yes. That's a real thing. But so um, I want to ask this real quick before I go into a couple of these things that I, that I am. Um, so nothing in my beer or, or cigar post was worth it. No, I, I actually, I, the one that I, um, like, I want to try this um, beer that it was about the coffee porter. Oh yeah. I made one of those, but there's yeah. one you can go to specs and get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, and I liked it too, it was, it was something about like how experts are like, oh, you know, this cigar because this is this and that. And, you know, then you go to, then you met the maker of one of the cigars or something and he, and he was just like, hey, well, what do you like about, or what kind of, what do you like in your cigar? And he was just like, really, you know, just a chill, cool guy. But anyway, so I read that. I like cigars as well. Beer, mmm. But you smoke cigars, Brent? I have. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not like a cigar smoker, but I have smoked cigars. Does your mom know? She does now. <laughs> no, she probably does. Are we a little past the age of permission? I mean, if you smoke cigars. Oh, yeah. Although, see, last night we, we were talking about, um, I've always liked how they smell, too. Mm -hmm. My dad smoked cigars. My dad was a smoker a little bit, and um, he also smoked a pipe sometimes. Uh. Oh, that was really cool. I liked the smell. I have a, I have a pipe collection as well. Mm -hmm. It's always, it's always been in a celebratory way, Christy. You know. Yeah, so. one of the ways they refer to cigars and pipes is you don't hear it with cigarettes, but you'll hear it with cigars. They refer to the aromatic nature of them, and so mm -hmm. a cigar and a pipe are two senses. Uh, it's the taste. And it's also smell because your uh, your nose is working as you mm -hmm. So they uh, they put different kinds of tobacco in it because one will appeal to your smell and one will appeal to your taste. So uh, I think too because interesting. It, it reminds me of my dad now too. I lost my dad in 2017, but mm. anyway. Um. So here's some things I, I so I I liked about your Facebook. Post or posts or pictures. I, I looked at the pictures. You you seems like you post pictures of like actors or or like historical figures. Um, there was a lot of Animal House. There was um, Clark that's, Griswold, Cousin that's Eddie. Recent. That's recent. That's all. Yes. So, but I I like because they're just the picture. There's not a caption, so I'm just like, hmm. I wonder why you posted this that day or what was is it just funny I don't know but they were all definitely characters that I recognize and I thought were funny well here's here's a funny story that uh Jeff uh Jeff Burnett and his wife live up in Huffman and they mm -hmm. go to uh Huffman schools and so they're friends with uh family Jason and Hensley Hensley something to that effect uh and so jacob's or jason's mother saw me interacting on a couple of their posts and it was when i was using john bellucci as my profile picture oh. <laughs> your friend david sure looks a lot like john bellucci <laughs> and they made that comment which is where the post came that uh i had uh, i was like well that is john bellucci yeah that's yeah, part that's of that is, uh, part of that is uh, it's a defense mechanism because if you don't want your Facebook page copied, the best thing to do is to use a change a lot of profile pictures. And I got tired of looking at myself on that, so I thought, well, you know, if they don't know who I am by name at this point, then there's no reason to worry about that. So well, I, I love the ones that you picked; it's cracking me up. 
Um, so then it's, I, I went, I checked, actually I Googled your name. So, so your Facebook profile came up, a Twitter profile came up. And so on your Twitter profile, um, here's three that we have in common, three people we follow in common. We follow JJ Watt, Ed Sheeran, oh, we have four, Sports Center, and Tom Hanks. <laughs> so that, I thought that was fun to see which uh, ones we had in common. Still hadn't found much of a use, but I've got a couple of friends that are both uh, radio people up here. One's a talk show host for conservative radio. His name's Chad Hasty, and another one is uh, Sports Talk, and his name is Ryan Hyatt. So I follow them because they post interesting stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. following them really to just keep up with current events because they'll both post really and Chad and I but Chad's a big cigar smoker so I'll see him at stuff but, uh, but I definitely just so your sense of humor just like jumped out at me which I thought was really cool because I like laughing <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of it <laughs> yeah, yeah it's good therapy I agree yes balance each other out my we, so Brenda we were talking about you at dinner right you said this mm. we and um, yeah so david i'm working part-time right now for some friends of mine at their commercial kitchen and it's kind of a long story but anyway so got home from work james made dinner we sat down for dinner and we were talking about it and i told the kids i said yeah i had thomas brenda to quit googling you i was like just be surprised so and then you show up and how many how many pages do you have because i need to tell them no i do I mean, I love Brenda. <laughs> I have four. So I'm going to tell them. But so, and they, and you know what Casey said? She looked up at me because, and I wasn't like, I wasn't complaining about it, but I was, I was laughing about it. And she looked up at me and she said, you guys balance each, balance each other out. We really do. It's really like, I should, I mean, I have a pen and like blank paper. You show up with like stuff that you actually like took time to research. Well, I want to read you, I want to read the titles of his blogs because I really liked those too. <clears throat> so you had Blueprint for the Future. Yeah, that was my business. The Average Guy's Brew Review. Love yeah. that. Yeah, I enjoyed that, but that was, I was brewing beer and I was reviewing beer and I had a bigger following than I realized when I quit doing it. But um, Hope Men's Ministry. Yeah, yeah, that's where I put our devotions. Yes, a gr a grumpy a grumps diary. Yeah, that's kind of in its infancy. I haven't really, I haven't found my voice in that. Mm hmm. There was not a lot there yet, uh, and then leading dialogue. Yeah. So I was like, and then I was like, Christy, because Christy is a blogger. I was like, he has all these blog posts. Did you know this? She's like, stop. <laughs> so I know, if I know some things, yeah. That's true. So if you were to write a book, if you were to write a book, David, what would your book be about? Because now that I've talked to you, I mean, education is a huge part. Then you've got realty. You like beer, cigars. Like there's just a lot of things there. Leadership. Leadership. Uh, my book, my book would be about the parable of the prodigal son. Hmm. I think there is a rich and deep book in that. Uh, and I bought a book because I was asked to teach um, on the uh, parables at church and I found this book called Stories with Intent and it really is an entry if you want to find a book that it explores more about Christ's uh, parables than I care to know it talks about some of the Greek or Hebrew that was used as he taught as it was recorded it talked about the background it talked about similar parables that existed in literature at the time i mean it goes in depth but he finally gets to a point of what are the main takeaways um and and the prodigal son has always been one of interest because we find ourselves in one of the two people one of the three i mean you could be the parent which as parents you uh, you know your kids do some things that disappoint you and you're happy when they come back around and so you've certainly experienced what the dad experienced hopefully never to the degree that the dad did when the younger son comes back, but you understand that. Uh, the older son, it's interesting in that book, is as lost as the younger son uh, because he thinks he's been following the dad's will. So he looks at dad when the younger son comes back. He's like, well, I don't understand because he's throwing this big party for him and I've been here the whole time and look at me. And so the book warns about people kind of assuming 
they're doing God's will, you know, mm-hmm. older members of church, for example, uh, you know, I've been here the whole time and we got this new member and I don't know what the fuss is all about. Look at me. I've been ushering for the last 20 years at this church, you know, so uh, he's, he's kind of a lost son. It's actually called the parable of the lost son uh, or the lost sons. And so I just think it's a very interesting story. And I think there's a way to weave a modern story out of it. I just uh, haven't figured it out yet. So. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm almost 61, you know, it's not like I've got a lot of days left in front of me. If I'm going to do it, I might as well start now because it's not like when you wake up at 20 and think, yeah, I got the rest of my life. Now the rest of my life at 61 isn't like it was at 21. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not even ancient, you know, because ancient's 40 when you're 20. So, uh, yeah. But you know what? I tell you from 45, 61 doesn't sound that old. So I'm like, you know what? Uh, yeah, me either. <laughs> but you know what I'm going to tell you, David Baldry? You know how you write a book? One page at a time. One word at a time. Yeah, it's like a marathon. When I, I, I did run marathons. I ran five, and that was a production and slow. Uh, but you did it. I did. But the way they say, you know, you got these writers who are, are, are really good writers that they talk to you about running. And, and it says the way to run a marathon is just put one foot in front of the other. And uh, yeah, and ev- a lot of people pin that to their shirts. It's like their first marathon. And it's just like left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. And you know what that means if you run a marathon. That means the way you're going to run this is just to start running. And, yeah. uh, interesting story in that, which I think because of listening to you two talk that I know you would find interesting. The first marathon I ran was the Houston Marathon. It was in 2000. I was working at Region 4. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do not know where I found the time to train for that because, you know, God, I mean, where do you But you had kids, like young you drive kids. from Kingwood to Region 4, and you drive back and forth. And the only way I had it was we had Westlake Houston Parkway, which we lived off of up in Kingwood. And so I had the distance because of the trails up there, but it was just like trying to find the time. Anyway, I finally get there and I'm waiting for the start. And so you're having all these pre-run emotions, worry, fear, you know, doubt. Um, and I'm thinking, boy, I just don't even know if I'm going to be able to do this. And I'm standing behind a guy and I just look down. And when I look down, I see his prosthetic. Mm. And I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm bitching about. <laughs> <laughs> I got, hey, here's a guy he's standing there just as cool as a cucumber and i'm like okay well david you're gonna run it now you know so mm-hmm. anyway that's awesome sorry i should let me uh rephrase it i don't know what i'm griping about so now you <laughs> drop that i was gonna say you know i'm too lazy to hit explicit we'll just see if they catch it yeah <laughs> if they go this far into it then i was a lot more interesting than i thought so well, you know, so I actually do look at our analytics and they probably won't. <laughs> our completion rate. So, yeah. So, you know, it's, so yeah, this has been fun, but I will, I will say I have, so you and I, I don't know when we started talking to each other about writing, but one of the things, um, you know, I used, I don't want to write a book anymore. I don't, I don't feel called to do that. But one of the things from, you know, I'm in a writer's group and, other things and follow a lot of writers and that like I don't know a single writer who says it came easy like those words come hard and there's some days that they pour out to be right but you have to it's a writing is a discipline and it's making yourself just like you had to discipline yourself to train for that marathon it's making yourself sit down with your pen or your computer or whatever and doing it um so do it because you have so much to say there's a, well, that's the first thing is, do you really have anything to say? I mean, you, know, you do. I've, I've you, listened you. to people who've, who've written books and, and they, they, they talk about it. They, there's a period of time, my favorite author is John Steinbeck. So he came up in that famous period of time where all those guys hung around with each other. And, you know, they were, if you saw the movie Capote, uh, it was very accurate. Those guys were heavy drinkers. They hung around with each other and they, you know, but uh, it's one of the things that I took away from just learning about them is you really just, and Willie Nelson even says that. Oh, we lost your voice. Oh, how about now? There it is, yep. All right. I figured out what I did. I'm actually moving the computer. I'm putting my hands over the ends of it, so that must be where the microphone is. Oh. Um, 
my favorite book of all time is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. And uh, I don't know if you've ever read it, but oh my God, it's just, it's just such a good book. And that's written, the uh, story that that's based off of is Cain and Abel. And, uh, really? Yeah. That was a mini series back in the day, I think. Was it East of Eden? But it's, it is a well-crafted right. book. And, and John Steinbeck's inscription at the start, I don't remember it verbatim, but it's basically, he says, I was going to build you something beautiful. I think I have. It's something to that effect. Um, I love that. Yeah, so I, it's something like that. Don't quote it exactly. You can look up the inscription, but it's the essence of the inscription. Uh, so I look forward to reading the inscription of your book someday because that's, that's, you know, there are some people I, I feel like if you and I just interacted on Facebook and, you know, you and I have, like, I know your heart. I know your heart for the Lord. And, 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 that's one of the things that I like about you. I like that you can talk about so many different things and you're not a know-it-all, which I appreciate. I think you, you. I've been accused of that. I'm accused of that. If you follow some of my posts on the whole pandemic, you know, the first thing a lot of people ask is, oh, so now we're a doctor now, huh? You know, and I'm like, no, but... Yeah, I've seen that on a few of your posts the last few months, yeah. but, but I don't feel that way about you. I feel like you're just, you're just an interesting person. You're like, you're like, a, you love people, you love relationships, you love people's stories. And I think that you are, and you're an observer, but also a commentator. It's really, you just, you're just such an interesting combination of all the, all those things. But you have like, when you talk, I like, I listen because I want to know what you're saying. Hmm. It's something that, you know, there's a lot of BS. Yeah. So I, you know, now my commentary on myself was my business early on, which you'll probably remember. I don't know if Brenda, Brenda, I don't even, we weren't friends on Facebook, I don't think. So I just sent you a friend request. Uh, okay, yay. So you can, You're you can, special. The, the joys, so the joys of following David Ballner. But, you know, I did, I did have, and part of it was not joking. It was really just kind of a comment on what I thought about myself when I had Ballner Solutions, Inc., BS, Inc. <laughs> I did enjoy that for a while, I, and it took me. You know, and and the, uh, the the tone I took as the CEO of BS Inc., where I just didn't even know I was full of BS. I just thought I was like, you know, this is my company, and I'm, you know, that was all intentional. Like, uh, I loved it, and I so Brenda, if you if you scroll back that far, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, it posts are like. <laughs> it's I can't his, wait. Like, his posts are like short memos, right? like the end for press releases yeah i did press releases see that's how they're like in there like i was I like i have a company dealing in bs that i thought well i'll do a press release and you know <laughs> but it's like captain obvious a lot of his uh press releases are like captain obvious like and it's just like tongue-in-cheek but very oh, that's the, i live for that hilarious so yeah so I uh, thank you because now we know what Brenda's going to do when we get done with this. I'm going to go to a rabbit hole. Try to think. Oh, you said rabbit hole. hole. I did. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking. Was that when you were at my house or was that before that? We were talking and Brenda says, I know what I want to talk about on our next podcast. And I said, what was it? And she said, what is it? And she said, wormholes. I say wormhole. What do you think, David Baldner? Well, uh, I think about time travel. I like time travel, Star Trek. A wormhole to Brenda is what you and I would call a rabbit. <laughs> so I'm like, wait. What's was like just, I, I was referring to like just getting like scrolling mm -hmm. and get, you know, read one thing. Oh, click over. I'm reading this now. And she's like, mm, no, honey, that's called a rabbit hole. That's okay. Maybe for a decent podcast. No, that's actually. Uh, I don't know if you saw my exchange with Crystal today on uh, the difference between who and whom and when to use which. No, I've been. Off, I've been. I was at work. I was offline. Well, anyway, uh, she says, "Doesn't it drive you crazy or something to that effect when people interchange I and me incorrectly?" And yes. The thing that I will tell you now, my biggest pet peeve is to sit in a presentation or a meeting or even in a conversation and have somebody use the wrong uh, uh like use i as an object instead so of they're the trying to use i'm trying to what, what am i calling it? it's like uh, we're going to put our nose to the grindstone what is that called that's a cliche, a cliche. Oh, an yeah. or an but idiot cliche but they mix their cliches up and it's like you you just interchange one half of a cliche with the other so we're going to put our nose to the wheels nose to the <laughs> you know? you're like 
He does not suffer fools. We and, and we're really, we're really gonna. This is where the rubber hits the concrete. No, it's where the <laughs> hits the road. Oh, just drive me crazy. And we had a lady that was our uh, diagnostician at Cimarron. And, uh, was it Barbara? No, no, you didn't know this. I, I don't. You didn't know her. She was there. I was the assistant principal. And Mike Barkley and I should never be in a room together because we fed out, off of each other. And so she's sitting there, and we're talking about this kid who was being tested for emotionally disturbed you know, whatever that phrase is now, but for the ED classroom. And one of the people who was making observations said, I think sometimes he sandbags. And so she came around, the diagnostician came around. This is how clueless, I want to say she was clueless. How clueless was she? She wore her clogging dresses to school sometimes as her, you know, oh, she's in her clogging dress today. That's nice. You know, so that's, she <laughs> would feed off of that. But, uh, so she's she's in there and yeah well yeah bloomers you know just it's yeah uh so we're sitting in there and she comes back around and she says i agree with mr barkley i think he is snowbagging us and we just mike and i looked at each other like no no that's sandbagging us snowbagging yeah so you think he's snowbagging us because i think someone else said something like he's I don't remember. But Snowing she, you or something. Yeah, she put the two together. She snowbag. He's snowbagging us. And we're like, oh, gosh. And you talk in front of parents. Yeah. Okay. So I thought about something else, and this is not really you, but the three-year-old, when I when you were principal at Cimarron and I came as a high school senior, the three-year-old with autism in your early childhood class, and um, the reason I became a special ed teacher, when we started at Harvard, he was in fourth grade. So and at St. Houston, I observed in Galena Park and went to Galena Park to Green Valley and observed in And she actually ended up being the life skills teacher at Havard when we opened Havard. And that kid, the three-year-old, was in fourth grade when I started teaching. And, and, and I got to work with him as a teacher. I'm trying to think. I went down to that classroom quite a bit because I was trying to make Charlotte feel at home she had been at Pyburn forever but they you know they uh yeah I'm gonna go heat up the chili <laughs> yeah uh, it's bedtime but uh they were they were busted up at Pyburn because that's where they put all the special ed classrooms they had an entire wing dedicated to it so they had kids that were from the north part of the district and southern part of the district at Pyburn because it was just a matter of convenience and the feds came in and said you can't do that that violates LRE mm -hmm. uh, least restrictive environment so Charlotte came over to our campus and it was late in her career. And so I tried to do what I could to uh, turning the heat on on the stove. How do you like our new kitchen, by the way? See, we have it all. I love the wood. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The lighting. I'll tell Cindy I showed it off. Anyway. Yes. Uh, but, and also your ceiling. Mm -hmm. I, I, you don't see that normally in a kitchen. Mm -hmm. What is that? A coffered ceiling? What do you call that? Realtor? Oh, uh, <laughs> It's the, the, the dining room is what you saw. That's above the dining room table. That's an inset ceiling, I believe. Inset that. ceiling. I don't know. That doesn't really sound fancy enough. It needs a better, is it, what is a copper? It's not, it's not a vaulted ceiling or anything like that. It's just, it's, it's just, it makes it feel like you've got a bigger room than it actually is. So, so like that's our ceiling, it's just, just a ceiling. So yours is fancy. Yeah. Well, that's our dining room. So, um, anyway, uh, there was a young girl in there at the time, and she was probably three. And I want to say she was Indian or Pakistani. Mm. Had really dark hair, dark skin, but she wasn't Hispanic. And I went down there, and I was talking to her one day, and I said, how are you? She said, how are you? I said, well, I'm fine. Well, I'm fine, you know? And it was just, I looked over at Charlotte and said, what's she doing here? And she said, that's called parenting. Mm. Like a carrot, not parenting, but parenting. Parrot. Uh -huh. Oh, so she says she's not going to come up with anything original. She'll just repeat everything you say. I said, oh. so I was fooled because I thought, how are you? How are you? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. You know, I was like, well, she did. <laughs> yeah, it's just perfectly normal. What's she doing in here? Uh, what are you doing in this class? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing in this class? <laughs> Karen Satera used to, um, I don't know where it came from, if it was, but what with our kids, she would always come in and say, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And, you know, like being at Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. Thank you. And it's like never ending, like, yeah. Yeah, there's a, the, the United store that I worked at is real big on, 
just customer relationships and uh-huh. teach everybody that works there. And they hire all kinds of, they hire special needs kids. It's really, I think a good company, but I say that because they, uh, first day you're there, they train you and it's like a 10 minute training and, uh, making the customer feel welcome and things like that. So you're supposed to stop. And if you see somebody just even looking, can I help you find something, those kind of things. And then they teach the people who carry out the groceries because you get your groceries carried out there still. Um, the sackers are taught to say, you know, as you're walking out to the car, create a conversation. Well, the most natural conversation is have plans today or are you busy today or things like that. And it's become such a running joke that we actually on occasion have said things just on purpose, guys that I hang around with. You know, uh, got plans today? Well, yeah, I got a body in the trunk, so I don't want you to put the groceries <laughs> in there. <laughs> got a shovel and a body, and that's what I bought the lime for that's down there. We're going to go, you know, put the, just get rid of it. You know, we talk just like just the kinds of things you could say just to throw them off, you know. Got busy plans today? Yeah, yeah, after I, uh, after I take the groceries <laughs> home and move the things in the freezer that I've got up there, the body parts and things like that, I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> just just see if they're even listening. Cause they'll just keep talking. You're like, Oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you need to eat your Frito pie. And I know. It. And I've got to, I'm going to have to call. Uh, Cindy sent a text that said, please call when you're finished. And that was about an hour ago. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you even talking about? So nothing, everything, right? Is it- yeah, like well, I've related this to Seinfeld. Uh huh. It's a show about nothing. <laughs> but it's been a great show about nothing because then I'm I'm the nothing that you talked about today. So <laughs> you are not the nothing. I'm looking. Okay, so David, I I went to the expert because I thought, who do I know who most understands your brain? So. Um, I asked my husband. I said, no, he, he digs the Beatles. And when he gave me the song, so if we, if I made a mixtape, the song I would put on there for you and I let James pick it. And I, I will also say I've learned my lesson about letting James pick songs. (laughs) So when he told me, when he texted it to me, no, yeah, he texted it to me and I thought he was joking. And I was like, that's not even a Beatles song. He's like, yeah, it is. Oh, I know. I bet I know. Do you? What is well, you tell me. I'll tell you if that's what I, I, I will be honest and say that's what I was thinking. Because the one I'm. It starts with everybody. Everybody. Everybody got something to hide except for me and my monkey. <laughs> you know. Not <laughs> again. So I, so I, when I got home from work and he had texted that to me and I was like, maybe that, is that even a song? Like, don't, don't mess with me. <laughs> no, that's John Lennon's song and the monkey is Yoko. Everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Well, so let me tell you, so, so I get home from work and Noble plays me the song and then James texts me the lyrics because he's like, no, for real, this is the song for him. It has, it has the greatest bass solo and it's like five notes, but Paul McCartney hits this bass lick and it's just like, wow. It is, it's, it's really kind of a nonsensical song. It's off the White Album. Uh, oh, and it's got some woohoo's in it, Brenda. But but David, let me tell you, this is why I this is why I let his vote stand. Um, because do you know he the reason he told me that he chose that song for you and the reason he thought I would like that song for you is because you're an open book and that is pretty rare. And um, you you know, you put it out there whether it I don't know you to speak or to write things. So the people I'm listening, but the worst thing in the world is sports chili. So I'm gonna stir. Um, well, and especially if you've only got a little bit left in the freezer. So yeah, so we um he the reason he chose that song is because you're an open book and and I just it's pretty rare and I appreciate your honesty and and he I mean he notices it too. So I was like you know I don't know how I'm gonna fit everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey on a cassette tape graphic. That will be my challenge. Well, when you said you couldn't even believe it was a Beatles song, they've got some that are just really obscure. They've got one called Number Nine that's off of that same album. And then they have one called Why Don't We Do It in the Road. And uh, so when you were saying, like, I can't even believe this is a Beatles song, I said, oh, God, I hope that's not the title. So, Yeah. No, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Artie, that is cool beans to me is that you were Christy's seventh grade teacher and now you're all now James knows you and y'all are friends. Like it's just, I love that. That's so cool. If you ever get through Brenham again, seriously, you're coming over for a beer and you, I mean, you can smoke a cigar outside. I won't partake, but I'll enjoy it. You smoke it. Well, and I've, with me. That's... I've never been to Lubbock and have a ton of, um, so I used to, um, what do you call that? Volunteer at my church as, you know, like an assistant youth person. Which and church so to? I, I, so I, uh, I grew up Catholic, but when I had kids, um, and my ex-husband was Methodist. We went to Tascosa United Methodist okay. for like 13 or 14 years. And so a lot of the kids now, there's probably like five of them that are at Tech right now. Yeah. So last year I thought I might go to a game, but I didn't, which now I wish I had because that was before Corona, but BC. Um, but yeah, I would people in the games, you can get to the game and they're not selling out, but UT is coming into Yeah. Years. Not this weekend, but next weekend. The so next. That'll be a sellout at 16,000 people. So mm-hmm. so I would like to come just visit them, visit, just see Lubbock and uh, go, to, go to a game if I could. Yeah, we had a team from Huntsville called Sam Houston that came up here, and they were a uh, <laughs> really good NCAA D2 football team and almost beat Tech. It was one of those that, you know, you come to the home opener and it's – they get – like Houston Baptist came up here last weekend and almost beat them. Uh, so I don't know if their head wasn't in the game, but that's uh, that's uh, Sam Houston had a really good team, and I thought they're going to lose this game, and uh, they ended up winning. But uh, Sam Houston was good. So did the past few years. Well, I, I don't know if they've been at good national. I don't know. That's a James question, not a Christie question. I just know every once in a while we buy national tickets. So there. So. Well, I am so excited to know you. I especially love that you're from North Shore. North Shore, love North Shore. Yeah, in fact, Beverly Yeager sent me a message, and it's a, a new cap that's come out touting all the years that North Shore's been to the playoffs and won the championships. She says, do you want this cap? <gasps> okay. That's it. Can you see it? Oh, my gosh, that is so cool. Yes, I want that cap. So okay. I, I figured four times, 2003, 15. 18 and 19 so you know you know Amanda Curtis right mm-hmm. yeah but Beverly Yeager was one of my paras I just saw her in June she's from Lubbock oh Beverly is yeah she's come up here a couple of times and we visit but uh um she's a Dagley yeah uh, yeah the Dagleys are from up here um are they really but, uh Amanda Curtis do you remember the game in 2015 when the receiver for the Austin team turned around and shot the finger at the cameras. Mm-mm. But Brenda was probably there. <laughs> well, this kid just turned around out of nowhere and did that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he just did that. You know, what a, what a, that, that can, I, I'll, I'll finish. This will be my, my last story before we break up because I don't want to scorch my chili, but, uh, <laughs> no, I'm worried about your chili. There was a, uh, there was a, a kid that worked at Nick's which is the bar that I hang with with a group of guys uh his name was Curtis McDonald and he played football at Sam Houston um Mm -hmm. but he was supposed to go to like Texas or someplace like that but he he hit an official uh not happy with his call and so when I saw that kid do that in the North Shore game I thought he if he was going to go somewhere he just lost that scholarship for doing that Mm -hmm. that's just that's a big no-no because then the coaches are like we don't need somebody that's like that because that's just not good so I posted something to it to Facebook. Well, Amanda Curtis was teaching that kid at the time. Oh. Yeah. I said something okay. about it. She goes, his family is, I'll guarantee you, his family is devastated. Uh, and a, a, another friend of mine said, yeah, well, I'm glad we didn't have stuff like that. Could you imagine what we would have been like if we'd had stuff like that? I said, well, we had TV, you know. Mm-hmm. We didn't have social media, but we had TV. I don't think I would have done something like that on TV. Uh, no. But I didn't play football either, so what happens in the heat of the moment but uh that's my that's my last story unless you have anything else no I, I could talk to you all day but it is chilly time at your house it's bedtime at my house and brenda's probably got to go decide what she's going to do for dinner yeah right? mm-hmm. well and i gotta call and see what the news was so 
Well, hopefully it's good news. Tell Cindy, thank you for letting us borrow you for like four hours. Yes, thanks for talking to us. Yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, is there nothing else? It was interesting just to sit and chat. So thank Absolutely. you. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I love, I love that. So I have no, I have no like awesome dismount, but thank you for your time. Thank you. Just yeah. thank you for being awesome and for being such a good mentor to so many. And well, a lot more I, than that. I but. hope that's the case. I'm sure I've, I've probably done my damage here and there too, but that's just life. So that's part of it. Yeah. It is just roll with the punches. All right. So Brenda, are you going to say something super witty to get us out of here? I have, I really have nothing. And I just, I have, I don't. I'm sorry. Although I, I can't, I'm going to go accept your your Facebook request, and, and I just can't wait to to dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. cool I think. It, yeah. So so that's what I'm going to do. I but. went to school with the Parks. His name was Joe Parks. Is that any relation to that family at all? I think I might have asked Jennifer that at one point, but um. yeah, no, no, no relation. But but I I think you would you and Richard Parks, um, Jennifer's dad would would have gotten along really well. Yeah. He had, he had a really great sense of humor also. Yeah. He said things, his, his, sometimes his timing was off and we're like, Oh, <laughs> no, no. You know, the, the older you get, the more you enjoy the ability to do that. Cause it's just like, well, he's old. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's losing the filter, you know, yeah. so, so. you're not there yet. You got a few more years before you can get no, away. I could sure, I could sure use it. Oh, well, I'm 61, you know, I'm sorry. The filter was closed. I just wasn't. <laughs> Didn't even know the mic was hot, you know, so anyway. We're going to use it. Okay. Well, good night, you guys. Thank y'all for everything. I'm going to Yeah, stop. thank you. Enjoy it. Your, enjoy your chili. Yes, ma'am, I will. All right, David Volner, I'm so glad to meet you. Yep, nice talking with you and nice talking with you, Christy. It's good to see you. Yep, good to see you. Hey, y'all. Are you still watching? Are you still listening? Oh, hey, Mom. We're so glad that you're still with us. If you want to connect online, we're at www.normalbiaspodcast.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. And our very favorite, if we made you a mixtape, we'd put all those songs on our Spotify playlist for you. All the things.